Um, we're going into a section now that are that I, I think is really uh, really neat. I, I like this section of the Gospel of Mark. It is a series of um, historical accounts um, that uh, different events that show us uh, the power uh, of Christ. And uh, the last few weeks, we've uh, Lane and Diane have worked to decorate a little bit and. Um, try to kind of fit the theme uh, with the mustard seed one week. We had the sickle and the grain on the table. Uh, this one is uh, the uh, calming of the storm, and they had the idea to put fans and spray water in it and shoot water on them, but uh, we decided against that one. So, um, But uh, again, we're going to look at a series of, uh, of those kinds of things that, uh, where, where Christ is going to show his uh, authority uh, over nature and throughout throughout time uh, anything, anyone, any power uh, that, that if you have power over nature uh, you're recognized as having power. Uh, when you can uh, when you can control nature something that uh, all of us um, we know is uh, out of our control. We have uh, all looked at the storms and uh, you know wished they'd go the other direction or wished for a storm when it was really dry and, and know that we have no uh, authority whatsoever. Uh, I tell people all the time about weathermen. They can predict rain, but they can't make it rain. Uh, but Jesus exercises actual uh, authority uh, over nature. Uh, in uh, our next passage, he shows his authority uh, over demons. Again, another uh, place where we know, we recognize the authority and the power uh, that it would take to have authority uh, over demons. Uh, the next passage is over sickness. And then the final passage in this section, uh, he shows his power over death. Uh, four things that all of us recognize that um, pretty much we're powerless against. You can, you know, you can take your vitamin C or whatever, but you'll still get sick. Uh, you know, and, and uh, we can do all our exercises and everything else, but eventually uh, when death calls, uh, death, um, we have no power uh, over death. But Christ is going to demonstrate uh, power uh, over all uh, of these things. In this particular story, uh, again, it is uh, dealing with nature, uh, and Mark is going to give us some very uh, explicit detail uh, about what happens. Most, uh, without without a doubt, uh, Mark is recounting uh, what Peter had told him. Uh, Mark would have not, uh, wouldn't have been on the boat. Uh, so someone had to tell him that uh, Mark and Peter were uh, tied, and, and much of Mark, we believe, was uh, dictated uh, by uh, Peter. Uh, and Peter would have been an eyewitness to the events uh, that uh, are talked about uh, here. Uh, again, and, and one of the things that, uh, again, if you go into a courtroom uh, and you can tell a story like Mark is going to reveal to us with the details that, uh, that uh, he gives. He tells us what time of day it was. He tells us uh, in uh, verse 35 that it was in uh, the evening uh, that, uh, they took this, uh, that they took this trip. He points out uh, that Jesus was laying uh, on a pillow, on a cushion 
in the boat. Just uh, a lot of details that uh, we uh, we would account to be uh, an accurate uh, story. Uh, one of the most uh, revealing things about this story that uh, I think uh, reminds us of its accuracy and its truth is that it paints the uh, disciples in a uh, not so flattering condition. Uh, it points out their fear. It points out uh, their their situation. And uh, again, that's one of the things about Scripture uh, that uh, I always look at and, and remind me of its accuracy. If somebody was wanting to put together a false book, uh, they'd have put together all good stories. Uh, they wouldn't have told you about uh, Abraham uh, failing. They wouldn't have told you about Peter taking his eye off of Christ. They wouldn't have told you about Judas. They would have left those stories uh, out and it would have been all uh, sugar plums and, and, uh, and, and candy and stuff. It would have been a, uh, a story of, uh, of, of good things. And so, uh, again, the kind of things that are in this story are not the kind of things uh, that someone would make up. Uh, they are uh, the kind of things that had to have happened. And uh, God here is bringing uh, all these things together. One of the questions uh, that comes to our mind as we think about this, uh, when we read uh, and we look in this story, uh, we see uh, that, uh, that as they get ready to go uh, and uh, they look there uh, in, in this passage in verse uh, 35 says, On that day when the evening had come, he told them, Let's cross over to the other side of the sea. So they left the crowd and took him along since he was in the boat, and other boats were with him. Um, and so it, it immediately poses the question when we, when we read that, that this was Jesus' plan. Uh, this was Jesus' idea. Let's get in the boat and let's sail across to the other side. Now, um, Jesus being who he was, having the knowledge that he had, uh, having the foreknowledge, having the omniscience uh, that came with being the Son of God, means that when he told them to get in the boat, let's go to the other side, he knew what they were sailing into. He knew what they were, uh, what, where they were, were headed. Uh, it was just simply... Uh, odds on that it was going to happen anyway uh, as they traveled. The sea there uh, is uh, around 600 feet below sea level, surrounded by mountains with uh, great gorges in them that funnels the wind, just shoots it down onto the, to the sea and causes just huge storms. Uh, Matthew actually describes this storm as a earthquake is the word that he uses. That's how violent a storm that uh, fell on the disciples and Jesus in this boat. Uh, and so, again, that immediately, for me anyway, I don't know about you, but it uh, causes me to, to immediately ask the question, well, if, if Jesus is God, if Jesus, he knows all these things, why did he say let's go tomorrow? Uh, why did he say let's go now? Um, you know, why, why did he intentionally sail his followers into danger? Uh, I think that's a legitimate question that, uh, that deserves some attention, and I think it is explained to us in this passage uh, as well uh, as we get to the end. If you will, drop with me to the end uh, of the story here. And uh, we see uh, that uh, the very last thing that happens is after Jesus calms the storm, after they wake him up 
and they come and he comes the storm, it says they ask each other, who is this? Who then is this? Even the winds and the sea obey him. Why did Jesus intentionally sell his disciples into this storm? So that when the events took place, they would recognize who he was. So that they would know that the man they were following, that this person who they had placed their allegiance to, even the winds and the waves obey him. We have this um, misconception sometimes as believers, as church folks, that um, we, and, and we make the misleading statement sometimes, oh, if you'll just follow Jesus, everything will be alright. I'm pretty sure that you asked the twelve disciples about five minutes before verse 41 was following Jesus working out. They would have said not so well. Uh, yeah, not right now. It's not turning out so good. But uh, we see that even following Jesus, sometimes uh, we find ourselves uh, in the middle of storms. What's the purpose of that? Why does God allow that in the life of a believer? For the very same reason he allowed it to the disciples so that when we come through that storm, we recognize and know that we serve a God that even the winds and the waves obey. We sometimes go through storms for a very simple reason, and that is God is trying to grow us, trying to develop us, trying to make us more mature in our faith, just as uh, with a small child. I've uh, been watching it uh, over the last couple of years with the grandbabies as uh, they get frustrated with their parents. They get frustrated with their grandparents as uh, we try to, uh, you try to take them, take the pacifier away from them, for example. You know, they get a little angry about that. They get a little upset uh, about that. When you try to uh, get them to learn to walk, they, what, what do they do? They take a few steps, they turn around and do this. It, it's much simpler to be carried. And certainly if they learn to walk on occasion, uh, unfortunately they fall and skin a knee and have a little pain in their life. But eventually they learn to walk and uh, eventually they get to the place like when uh, I came into door this morning, Kylie come up to me and she says, I run fast. You know, uh, that, so she learned that. It was a difficult lesson, but she took off and sure enough, she does. I don't think I can catch her. Uh, I gotta hang on to her. She takes off running. She's gonna get away. You know, but sometimes the storms of life are there and the circumstances of her life are there that we might mature and, and, and we might grow uh, in our faith. And so as we pick up the story, the, uh, here Jesus' disciples need to understand uh, and, and, and make this 
uh, an important part uh, of their life uh, that, uh, that this calming of the Sea of Galilee teaches them. That, that they are serving a God uh, that controls, can speak to the winds and the waves. Because the winds and the waves that were tossing them around was nothing compared to the adversity they're going to face in a year or two when Jesus ascends back to the Father and they begin to launch the New Testament church and the persecution of the Jews and the persecution of the Romans come against them as believers and, and, and Christianity. Uh, Christians are burned at the stake and drawn and quartered. They're, they're going to face persecution that makes winds and waves on the Sea of Galilee look like a picnic in the park. They need to know that their Jesus is a Jesus who has uh, authority. It's been a hard day. Jesus has been busy on this day. Uh, they have uh, began with uh, the Pharisees making some uh, blasphemous accusations uh, against him. And then uh, he was uh, called, uh, told that he was controlled by the elves above. And uh, then uh, there was uh, other things uh, going on. Then his mother and his brothers come and try to uh, basically kidnap him and take him home. He's had a long day and so he says, hey, let's, let's just go to the other side. Let's, let's take a break and go uh, to the other side. And so they go down to the sea and they get on this boat and, and they start across uh, as uh, the sun, the evening, as the sun uh, is setting and uh, most likely they're, you know, as they get somewhere near halfway, this, this, this storm um, just blows up uh, again out of nowhere as they uh, tend to do on, on Galilee uh, there again because of the geography uh, of the sea it just uh, blows up and several of these disciples were fishermen and so they were familiar with it and so they, they knew the seriousness of the situation uh, I don't know what would be worse to be one of the disciples with no sailing background who was scared to death because you didn't know what was going on or to be one of the ones with sailing background who knew how bad this could be. And, and so uh, either way, it was a, a bad situation. The disciples uh, are terrified. Then no doubt they look around and realize the Bible tells us that there were others uh, who were following them in other boats. And they think, man, it's not just going to be us to drown. It's going to be half the town. We're all going to die out here in the middle uh, of, of this sea. And so, you know, what had started out, you, you've probably been in the ocean or somewhere, and, and I know how quickly a storm can blow up. You're sitting there, beautiful scenery, the next thing you know, you know, everything blows apart. Uh, and so they find themselves uh, in, this, uh, in this situation. And it, depending on the translation of the words you read, again, a furious squall. Uh, is described, again, Matthew describes it as a earthquake. The Bible tells us that the waves are crashing over uh, the, the bow of a boat. Um, and again, uh, you know, they, they, you know, all they had to get the water out was a bucket and bailing. Uh, they didn't have electric bilge pumps like modern boats. And uh, this was a bad, bad situation. And if you've ever uh, even uh, a lot of times on calm, well, relatively calm seas. If you've ever 
uh, been out on the ocean and, uh, and and the waves. If you've ever been on a boat and you, you know how it is, you're, you're on that boat. One minute you're you know, you're looking at the sky, and the next minute you're looking at the ocean, and the next minute you're looking at the sky, and the next minute you're looking at the ocean. And it can be an interesting experience. Those of you uh, who were in the military and served, if you've been deep sea fishing, you uh, you've experienced that. That uh, and you know, and the bad thing is when you when your face is looking at the ocean, at the sky, your stomach's looking at the sea, and back and forth. You know, it, it can be a, an interesting experience. These sailors are wondering. These disciples are wondering what in the world we're going to do. What a way to die. What a way to die here in the middle of this sea. And they had no way of knowing that in the middle of that miserable, horrible storm, Jesus was planning, first of all, a miracle, but more importantly, a message. He wanted them to learn three things that I think we need to see this morning. First of all, we, spiritual growth, spiritual development, Spiritual maturity, whatever you choose to call it, uh, comes from the storms. Storms produce spiritual growth. That's not a pleasant thought. Most of us would rather have spiritual growth the easy way. Again, so would a child that's learning to walk. They would prefer to uh, do it the easy way. I, I think about, uh, you know, I'm embarrassed, but I think about Sean Henry teaching second graders, and they're still learning to write and read, and they'd much prefer that she just read it to them. You know, can you just write it down for them? You know, we, we've all been there. You know, here, you do it. You know, can't you just do it for me? And, and, and it's hard. And, but storms produce spiritual growth. It says there arose a great storm, not a, uh, a mediocre storm. Tim Malia asked me this week uh, about something. She said, is it broke bad? I said, I've never seen anything broke good. You know, uh, a great storm. Uh, it was not a good storm. It was a bad storm. It was a horrible storm uh, that blew up. The waves beat into the ship so that it was now full. When it says it was now full, it wasn't talking about full of passengers. It was full of water. This boat was on the verge of capsizing. This boat was on the verge uh, of sinking. And to make matters worse, all hands are not on deck. He was in the hinder part of the ship asleep on a pillow. He was in the hinder part asleep on a pillow. Now, I want to point out something to you here before we go too far into this text. The Bible says that Jesus was asleep on a pillow. What does that tell you about the nap that Jesus was taking? Now, I don't know about anybody else in here. I know about a couple of you because I've watched you during church. I can practically fall asleep standing up. You know, I'll be perfectly honest with you. If I'm not on the program, I'll be asleep in the middle of church. Yeah, that's just, you know, if I don't know I gotta get up in a minute and talk or do something, I'm gone. You know, if I sit down, I'm, I don't know about anybody, you know, you know, I, I, I can tell you that there's been many times I got to where I was going and got to thinking about it and didn't remember going. Uh, and I can sleep with the best of them. Now, but what I do know is that if he was asleep with a pillow, what does that tell you about the nap that Jesus was taking? 
You got it. Now, some of you sitting there, I can see you. You're about to go to sleep without a pillow. I won't call names. I remember one fellow years ago we had here who most people when they fall asleep do like this. He'd fall back. Now, usually sit right up front. I was always awful tempted to see if I could ring him. Bring me some BBs or something. Wall over there and see if I could see if I could ring that hole. Yeah. But if you took a pillow and laid down, what's that tell you? You meant to be asleep, right? You you were taking a nap. Jesus knew exactly what he was doing. Not only did he tell him to get into this ship and let's go to the other side, knowing full well a storm was coming, he went and got a pillow and said, I'm gonna go to sleep and leave you with it. It wasn't that Jesus was sitting in the back of the boat enjoying the rocking and dozed up. Jesus got a pillow and took a nap. You boys have That makes you question even more what was going on, doesn't it? He sailed him into a ship and he went into a storm and then he went and laid down. Why? Because storms bring spiritual growth. These, these, uh, uh, this storm was meant to teach them uh, some things that they were gonna uh, gonna learn. As uncomfortable a truth as it may be, and, and 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 it is certainly uncomfortable, is that God allows things to come into our life that are not comfortable, that are storms, so that we will grow spiritually. So that when they are done, like the disciples, we will learn to say, "Who is this man?" That even the wind and the waves obey. That's an uncomfortable truth. It's not something we like to, uh, to, to think too much about. But the reality is that God, Christ, allowed them. He put them on this ship and he intentionally went and laid down so that they would grow spiritually. They learned a couple of things in that ship. They learned a couple of things in the middle of that storm. They learned they couldn't do it without him. They learned that when they were in a mess, go get him. They learned that when they're in a mess and they can't handle it, when they're in a mess and they go get him, they learned that when they get him, he handles Sometimes if we're, you know, and I'm sure when the storm, I, I wasn't there, in case y'all were wondering, but I'm speculating here. I got to imagine that you had, especially knowing Peter and his kind of, um, I don't know what words you use to describe Peter's personality, but let's just say he was boisterous. How's that? I got to imagine when the storm came up and it began to blow, and some of the Matthew, the tax collector, was back there going, <laughs> you know, Peter was up there going, ah. I remember the storm in 1972. And it's nothing. I remember the storm. Y'all just a bunch of cows. And then it kept blowing. And Peter realized it is something. I don't read where Peter said, not always you up. I got this. Do you? I don't read where any of the other fishermen said, don't bother him, we've been through this before. 
It looks to me pretty much like a unanimous vote. Go to Jesus. Again, it's a truth we don't want to hear. It's a truth we don't like. Uh, but we understand and, 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 and that from this story that storms of life, they, they cause spiritual growth. Again, as they went through this circumstance, they went through this, again, they, they, had, they didn't have any clue that this storm was actually essential for them. Now, here's what I can picture happening. Just as I have no problem of Peter rowing that boat saying, ah, this is nothing. I remember the storm in 1972. Our boat was upside down and then, you know, the sail was broke off and it had sharks in the boat. Yeah, fishermen tell stories. You know, and, and we still caught 47 fish. You know, uh, you know, you can imagine. But here's what I do believe. That after Jesus said to that wind and wave, peace be still, and they did get to the other side, and they were going down the road, and eventually Jesus is crucified, and eventually he ascends, and eventually Peter is standing there at Pentecost, surrounded by that crowd who is anti-Christianity, who is ready to lynch them all. Peter's standing there thinking, we made it across Galilee, we can make it through this. Storms produce spiritual growth. The difficulties, the trials, the stresses of life. There's not a person in here that if we were to start right here with Melissa and work ourselves around the room, if you would be willing and your memory works, you stand up and say, you know what? I remember this and I remember how God brought me through it and I know that because of that, I'm a better believer. I'm stronger in my faith because of what God did. And as Debbie said, can I get a witness? Storms produce Spiritual growth. Oh, you didn't hear me say they were fun. You didn't hear me say I want to go through one. Most of you have been here around here long enough to know that one of the few things I really acknowledge clearly and plainly that I am scared to death of is lightning. I know, don't tell me the Bible, God don't give us the spirit of fear, all that stuff. I know. I'm still scared of it. Okay? You can be scared of snakes or spiders, whatever you want to. You got a snake, call me. I'll come get you. You got a spider, call me. I'll step on it. You got lightning handle. Okay? I know that. God brings us through those circumstances so that we can have confidence when all those trials and tribulations come into our life, as bad as it is, storms are part of the process of spiritual growth. Storms are part of the process of spiritual growth. I just read a thing this week, and I wish it just popped into my head. I wish how well it fit in this situation. I was reading a thing about the children of the wealthy, and it talked about how many of them end up in trouble or end up broke even after inheriting their parents' money because they have been raised in the lap of luxury because of their parents' money and never had to deal with the issues and problems of life 
And so then when their parents are gone and now they're responsible, they don't know how to deal with the circumstances and how it seems like wealth was kind of generational. This generation has it, this generation blows it. This generation has it, this generation blows it. We go through our Christian walk and never have to deal with the storm. Never have to learn to deal with adversity. Never have to learn to rely on Him. The storm was a place for the disciples to step up. It was a place for them to, to, to grow. Maybe you're sitting here today and you're going through a storm in your life. And you're wondering, why in the world am I, is God allowing this? Why am I in this mess? Why is this happening to me? Maybe He's trying to teach you. Trying to grow you. Trying to mature you. The storm continued. The sails are torn. The boat's tossed. It's filling with water. Where's Jesus? Sleeping on a cushion. Sleeping on a cushion. Storms are there. The main point here is that the disciples, to the disciples, Christ seemed to be unaware. But we know. You know it's easy for me to stand here this morning talking about storms and say, man, it's be all, because you know, I wasn't in the boat. But I do know that even though he was asleep on the cushion, nothing was going to happen to those disciples without the permission of Christ himself. He was still on the throne. He could sleep knowing that no matter what came, they were safe. Storms bring spiritual growth. Silence brings spiritual growth. This is a lot better than storms. And they woke him and they said to him, Master, Carest thou not that we perish? And he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. Panicked, scared, thinking they're going to die. The disciples run to the back of the boat and shake the cushion. Jesus 